All right, well, good morning, friends. Thank you. Um, hey, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to move to the last chapter of the book. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another morning together. We thank you for a weekend. We got to be away from the norm and to engage with you, to pray to you, to play with you. In other words, just to worship you. God, we thank you. These times are so important. And I do pray, as Kendall was saying earlier, that we don't just leave it here. And we take this back, this way of life, the way of living, that we learn your rhythm of life, that we rest when we're called to rest, that we play and pray and and maybe we stop trying to achieve and just know that we're accepted and loved and to do all things to your glory. I pray that as we open your word now, God, that you would do a great, great work. <clears throat> you would continue the work you've done. Leave us amazed and challenged. Convict us and encourage us whatever is necessary to make us look like Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you that you love and like us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says... Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Just the first half of it. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Right now. Remember him now. <clears throat> Friends, this morning I was spending time with the Lord in the Word just by myself, just my normal quiet time. Uh, our church has a Bible reading plan, so we all go through reading the Bible. It's a two-year plan. We all do it together. I just started to pray, and I prayed for you. And what I prayed was this, and it's not just the youth, but everyone in the room, but especially the youth. I said, God, please don't let them wander off. Guys, statistics show that a mass majority of people your age, that once they get out of high school, they leave the church, or they leave the faith. And I just kept praying, God, please don't let them go. Don't let them. Like what a choker chain of grace. Keep a choker chain of grace on them. Just keep them close. God, may this be the generation that doesn't just follow in the footsteps of those who preceded them, but may they be the generation that reminds us, what does faith look like? What does it look like to work through struggles and hardships? What's it look like to celebrate in Jesus? What does it look like to stay close to him? Where maybe for some of you to sit and go, Brian, if I told you the testimony of my life, you wouldn't be impressed because I've just never had that rebellious story. Isn't it amazing how we look at the rebellious stories, those who just go from like one extreme and then over to Jesus, but we look at those and maybe you're one, you look at your own life going, mine's not impressive. Friends, whether you have that ultra rebellious moment and then come to Christ or you don't have that kind of story, every testimony is miraculous. 
Every single one, because every single one of us at some point were dead in our sins. And when God calls us to himself and gives us faith to believe and we surrender into the Lordship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit then indwells us, when that happens, we pass from death to life. Every single testimony is miraculous and impressive. My prayer for you is that you would never, and I pray this one, God, please don't let them wander off. Let this be the generation that is the example. Remember, remember your creator in the days of your youth and make an impact on the world. Maybe some people might look and say, well, Brian, come on, they're too young. <laughs> really? Guys, if, ever, if anyone ever says that to you, it's because they're too old. <laughs> like at some point they forgot that God loves to use the teenager. He does. When David jacked up Goliath, he's about 15. Guys, Goliath's this giant nine-foot dude, warrior trained from when he was little. Guys, he had this spear where the head of the spear was 15 pounds just by itself. And then there's this shaft connected, and he would just throw that like it was nothing. And he's out mocking the, the, the armies of Israel. And David was sent, and this is the weird part, because we just don't do, we don't do things like this. It's not like, hey, there's a battle, there's a war. Go check on your brothers. Take them, take them, take them a lunchable. Like, make sure that they have some break, breakfast or lunch or whatever. Just go check. So David goes and checks on them. And then he hears Goliath mocking the armies of God and therefore mocking God. He's like, who's this guy? 15-year-old kid. And the Bible describes him as small and ready. But he's like the Renaissance man. Think about it, like he wrote poetry, he was a musician, he worked hard, he was a shepherd, and then he's this warrior. He's like, come on, ladies, that's the guy, right? Like he could sit there and defend you, and while he's defending you, write you a poem. That's impressive. So he's this 15-year-old kid, he just shows up, he's like, who's this guy? Oh, no, we don't mess with him. No, we just stay silent, we're just terrified. He's like, I could, t I could take him. And isn't that kind of fitting? Like most, most high school kids, they sit there and go, I could take him. He's got nothing. Mike Tyson, he's old. I could take him. Then the king gets word of it, Saul. And in his mind, the guy who's supposed to lead the battle, he's like, yeah, bring in the teenager. I'll let him go. And here's the thing. It's like one-on-one -on -one and whoever loses, that, that army has to come and serve the other. So David goes in and he tries to put, Saul tries to put on his armor on David. <laughs> David's like, I can't move in this. Like, I, can't, I mean, Saul is taller than pretty much everyone else. He's like, I can't move in this. Just let me go with what I use. Because there was this one day I was watching sheep and a lion came and I killed it. Guys, that is not on my resume. Not on my resume. I'm not sure that if I saw a lion grab one sheep, I don't know if I said they're going, that's mine. Get over here, Aslan. I think I might just go, it's just one. Have a good day. <laughs> then there's one day a bear showed up and he kills the bear. She's like, and then he says, this Philistine will be nothing like them. I got this. He's always going to rely upon God. And so he goes out, he just picks up some stones and he has this little slingshot. And don't picture like a slingshot like ours where it's like this elastic thing. <laughs> it's not like that. So picture this leather strip that's pretty much probably like that long. And in the middle, there's this pouch and you put a rock in it and then you can just swing it like this. Friends, those who are masters at this could get that rock flying like a 22 rifle, like, the bullet, or like a bullet coming out of a gun. 
And so here comes David. He's got all these rocks. And here he comes, Goliath. So he's looking at him. He's like, oh, today, you know what I'm going to do to you today? Today, I'm going to beat you down. I'm going to cut off your head. He's trash talking. And he does it. He just starts, bam, sinks in right into his forehead. And all of a sudden, bam. And then how weird is it to just go, I told you. And then comes over and whacks off the dude's head. Anyone who says the Bible's boring has never read it. And then he took the sword and the head. And that's weird. Can you imagine going home after that? Guys, see you later. You're welcome. Goes home. Sees mom. Hey, how was your day? That was pretty good. What happened? Ah, you don't, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Where'd you get the sword? That's ah, connected to what you don't know. You don't want to know. What's in the bag? You don't want to know. 15-year-old kid. And when God decided to invade the planet, he picked the womb of a teenage girl. Friends, God loves to use the teenager. He loves to use the young. Don't ever feel like you're too young because the spirit of God is the same age in all of us. He's eternal. The spirit of God that's in me is the same spirit of God that's in you if you're a follower of Jesus. I remember years ago when I was at my first church, I was doing youth ministry then, and we had this uh, tiny little building, um, and we had this baptism. I think the building was built like in, back in the 1930s. And so you had to kind of peel back part of the wall, and, and then the, upstairs you had to open up the floor, and that's where the baptismal was. And seriously, I think it was about, it, was, it wasn't even this wide. There's a carpet up here, so picture right there is the line. It might have been this tall. So I remember when I got baptized in it, I went down, and I had to bend my knees real far, then go back, because it wasn't made for big people. But I remember there was this couple in there, I don't remember their names, a married couple, he was one of the buffest guys I've ever seen in my life. I was so jealous. And so he's up there with his wife and they start sharing their testimony. And they just said, hey, how'd you come to Christ? And the wife says, well, we used to bring our son to Awana. He's five. Um, you guys have Awana? You know what that is? It's like just midweek Bible study and you learn verses and stuff. So we bring him to the kids program in the midweek and week after week. And then we just bring him up, drop him off, go on a date, come back, pick him up. They weren't really involved in our church at all. <clears throat> and then one night, they said they picked him up. They would even drop him off on Sunday, go to breakfast. I mean, it's like free babysitting. <laughs> said one night we picked him up, just her and the little guy. Little guy looks at mom and says, hey, mom, how come your dad don't go to church? Oh, man. You ever notice that little kids can pretty much say whatever they want? They, they, they have no fear. Like when, when my boys were little and we're walking through the grocery store, and they're just walking along. Say like Dylan's like four, just walking along. And this dude comes walking by with these piercings all over the place and tats. And I don't, I don't care about all this stuff. And as, but as he goes by, he goes, dad, what's on his face? I'm like, Dylan, come here, buddy. <laughs> come here. He's like, uh, what's on his face? I'm like, come here, get over here. They just say whatever comes to their mind. So this little five-year-old, mom, how come, you, how come you and dad don't go to church? Oh, you know, we're really excited that you do. We're so glad that you like it. And but really what we do, like we drop you off, we go for a date and then we come back and it's really good for our marriage. We want to make sure it's healthy at home, something like that. And this was his response. Okay. Well, I just know that I love Jesus and I want you to love him too. And there they were getting baptized because they came to surrender their lives to Jesus because a little five-year-old called him out and said, I just want you to love Jesus because I do. And that was it. He didn't jump into Romans Road or here's how to plan a salvation. He just said, I just love Jesus and I want you to love him. 
Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Go to the end of the chapter in verse 13 and 14. Listen to what Solomon writes. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. So as he's worked through this whole journal, he's looked at all of life, and how that just seems like life just kind of rotates. It's the same thing over and over. You're going to go through bad. You're going to go through good. You're going to go through highs. You're going to go through lows. I'm t- I've, tried, I've tried everything, all these things that I think bring me pleasure. Therefore, what should bring me satisfaction and fulfillment, those things don't work. Whether it's achievement or work or just entertainment or experiences, all these things. He's like, I've tried all these things, but they don't bring me true satisfaction. I'm not fulfilled in all of it. So what I've decided is this. At the end of the day, it comes down to this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man or of humanity. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. And we may sit there and go, wait, I'm supposed to be afraid of God? And I think I might have referenced this before. It's not that we have to be afraid of God, it's that we will become afraid of God. You're like, whoa, wait, 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 I thought he's like a good father. He is a good father. But as I brought it before, when you see God, think about it, when you see people just encounter the angels of God in the scriptures, they're freaking out at the angels. That the angels so often has to, no, no, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And almost every single time, and there's a couple of times, I think Jacob had a vision of God, and he didn't have this freak out moment. But when you see Isaiah having this vision of God and his glory freaks out, John, the beloved disciple, that's the, that's the disciple that leaned up against Jesus at the Last Supper such a personal quote-unquote friend of Jesus. But when he sees Jesus in Revelation, Jesus in all of his glory, the Bible says he faints as though dead. And then Jesus came up and said, no, 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 don't be afraid. Friends, I'm convinced that when we are confronted with who God really is and who we really are, sinners before a holy and perfect God, it's terrifying. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where you start that if you've really encountered him, there's this fear of him. And yes, there is this, and I know that people will say, well, the word actually also means this whole, or perfect, or not perfect, but this holy respect for it. It does, but the word also means terror. That when we really encounter him, when we worship him, there's times we just jump and laugh and it's joyful. And then there's other times like, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't know how to talk to you. You breathed out the sun. I don't know how to talk to a God that does that. You're holy and beyond me, you're perfect. So how do we live in this relationship with God where we fear him? If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says this, And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Remember last night we looked at Jesus. He's in the garden and he picks three to go and to pray with him. There's the disciples. He always picks the three. And the three, do you remember who they are? In the passage, they are who? Peter, James, and John. Over and over and over and over and over and over. And what seems to happen often when he takes the three away? They fall asleep. So you think at some point they're like, why us again? Like we keep, why do you keep picking us? Like, you should pick Judas. That boy is struggling. He needs some extra time with you. 
it seems like it's just the mundane, right? It's the ordinary. You're, I know what's going to happen. You're going to bring us up, and you're going to go off and pray forever, and we're going to try to do it, and we're going to fall asleep, and you're going to come back. We're going to fake that we weren't sleeping. We just forgot to finish the blink, and we're going to literally say, we were praying as you're wiping out the sleep on my eyes. I just, I don't want to do that anymore. Or what do we do today? I've tried reading the Bible. It just doesn't work. Guys, at what point did hanging out with God just become something that's for our benefit? It's supposed to work. I did all the things, it didn't work, so why do I need this? Friends, we spend time with God in the Bible to spend time with God. That's it, it's to be with Him. And He blesses us as we do it, but I don't think we have this experience every single time. But can you imagine if these three said, I don't wanna go this time, send somebody else. The same thing over and over, the mundane, the mundane, the mundane. And at this moment, what did they get to see? Jesus' face shining like the sun. He's transfigured before them. His clothes become white like lightning. Why? Because they just faithfully did the mundane that no one else ever noticed. Just keep doing the thing, doing the thing. Guys, be in the word, be in prayer, be in fellowship in your youth group, in your church. Serve people, worship the Lord. All these things that have worked for the last couple thousand years since Jesus instituted the church, just keep doing it. Learn his rhythms, slow down. Guys, we have a culture that's just go, 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 go. And Christians, church leaders, we do the same thing. As many things as possible, get it in there. Get as many messages out there as possible. And what if Jesus is saying this? I want to teach you how to stroll with your creator. I want you to slow down. Learn the rhythms of Jesus that we might experience the abundant life that he offers. Because if I don't learn the rhythms of Jesus and walk at his pace, I won't experience the life that he wants me to experience. Transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them, as if it's not freaky enough. Jesus' face shining like the sun, clothes become white as light. He's transfigured before them. Then Moses and Elijah show up for a chat. Moses and Elijah. Guys, Elijah, you, don't, you remember, Elijah never died. At one point, it's like it's time for him to go. He knows. And he's getting ready to kind of hand off the ministry to Elisha. Do you remember how he goes? Yeah, man, you know the word. I love that. You've answered every one of my questions. Props to you, all right? Yeah, a fiery chariot shows up. That is the way to go. Guys, I'm going to be honest. Tomorrow, I got to get on a plane. My legs don't fit on a plane. I just feel like I just kind of fold in and don't, don't move, don't move. If I could go on a fire, can that, wouldn't that be solid? I just walk outside my door, boom, fiery chariot, that's for me. And I just jump on. My, I can't put my luggage on there because I'm afraid it'll burn. And I just fly home. Guys, that's a solid way to go and he shows up. Why do I think that Moses and Elijah show up? Why not in the other ones? Why not in the prophets or the people that are in the Old Testament? Why not them? Because I believe this, all the law and the prophets, according to the scriptures, point to Jesus. Moses, the representative of the law. Elijah, the representative of the prophets. Pointing to Jesus. Goes on, verse four, and Peter said to Jesus, look, it is good that we are here if you wish. I will make three tents here for you. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Really? I got anything you could say in that moment. Jesus, it's so good we're here. I'm gonna make three forts. 
three-fourths. Jesus will make you one, and Moses will make you one. Elijah will make one you that's it's fire retardant. It's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. That's, in other words, it's like this. Let's just stay here. Like, let's just live up here on this mountaintop. Because my guess is this, that for some of you, this weekend has been your mountaintop because it's given you a break from the rest of the stuff. And you just want to stay. Let's just stay here. Let's just stay right here. And let's just live this way. God, Jesus, let's just, let's, let's just keep this experience going. Don't make me go back. Not by a show of hands, but do you get it? Are some of you thinking that? Don't make me go back. Can I just stay here? I just want to be here with you. And the, friends, I am so thankful that I so often get to partner with Hume because how often have you heard them say, guys, don't leave it here. Don't leave it here. You can have this. Go home with it. Go home with it. In other words, you can go home with him. And then you watch this. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, Hold on for just a second. As I read that last part, a voice from the cloud said, did anyone sit there and go, what did the cloud say? Because how weird is that question? Brian, shut up. What did the cloud say? I've, I never ask that question other than when I read this passage. I don't go through fog at home and go, Kelly, what did the cloud say? I don't know, huh? Nobody said anything. You're kind of losing it. <laughs> cloud spoke, really? Or was it God. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Why were they terrified? Because there was a cloud. I'm not really terrified of a cloud, except if I was in this time and Peter and James and John, they kind of knew a little bit of the Bible back in the day. Well, they didn't call it the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. They knew that this is what happened when Moses would go into the tent of meeting to meet with God and to speak to him as a friend, though face to face. It said that a cloud would descend upon the tent of meeting. As he went into it, people would come out of their tents. Cloud would descend, and they knew that Moses was speaking to God. They saw the cloud as the very presence of God. So can you imagine if Peter, Peter, James, and John are talking? Here's Peter. Well, only Peter's talking. I'll make three forts. All of us get forts. And all of a sudden, this cloud starts to descend. It's like, wow, it's getting foggy. And it keeps coming down. And then a voice from the cloud speaks. Do you see why it is that they're terrified? Because no one can be in the very presence of a holy God and live. They're terrified because we're in God's presence and we might die. Imagine as the cloud descends, they're like trying to dig a hole to get away from it. Oh, we're going to die. Guys, it's not going to be good. They're freaking out. But what is it the father says? This is my beloved son. Why is that so important? I wonder if the disciples, it doesn't say in this passage, it's just me wondering. I wonder if the disciples had become kind of used to Jesus. Oh, he did another miracle. Did another one. Did another one. Did another one, been there, done that. Yeah, look, he's doing it again. And maybe the father need to have this time with the three. As Jesus is transfigured before them and say, you see this one whose face is shining like the sun? Yeah, that's my boy. That's my son. You got used to him. Followers of Jesus, can I ask you a question? Have you gotten used to Jesus? Is he still Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords? Alpha and Omega, beginning and end? Or is he just Jesus? 
Because I wonder if that's where you are, if God is wanting to remind you, hey, you know what? This one who did this massive work in your life this weekend, yeah, that's my son. And I love him so much. I'm so pleased with him. And then he gives these words, listen to him. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, shh, stop talking about forts. Stop talking about tents. We're not going back to what Moses experienced. We're not going back to that. Just do me a favor, just be quiet. Sit in the moment, listen, look, be amazed. Just sit and be still. Just listen to him. When the disciples heard they were terrified, verse seven, but Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. So when he said there and go, how do, I, how do I live in this fear of the Lord but not be afraid? It's because we understand the invitation that he's given to us. The holy God who measures the universe with the span of his hand, that God invites us into relationship with himself. When I'm confronted with that fact that he's holy and that I'm sinful, I'm terrified before him, and then I come into relationship with him because of Jesus. Jesus is the only way, friends. You may have a ton of friends and a ton of people say, no, Jesus is only a way, or that's an opinion. Friends, every other world religion on the planet is wrong. He said, it's kind of an arrogant statement. Guys, I'm going to go with the guy who pulled off Easter every single time. He pulled off Easter. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We look at that God who's that holy, and then we hear him say to us, get up. No, 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 no. Don't be afraid. Because the scripture teaches us what? that that God is for us, not against us. It's like this, growing up, uh, at about 10, I got to go with my dad uh, to work for the first time, and my dad was a cop. So right along, so I was like, Dad, when can I go? Like 10. He's like, yeah, you can come. So I'm like, partner, I'm a 10-year-old cop today. So I like to say, bye, bye mom, I'll see you later. I'm gonna go take care of some stuff at 10. I mean, I remember I started karate at nine, so I could just beat up everybody. So we're in the car, and he shows me how to use the radar gun, and then it was this massive thing, so I felt like Chewbacca. He let me use it. And my dad was pretty cool. He's super lenient. He's like, he wouldn't pull anyone over if it wasn't more than 15 miles an hour. He's like, I'm not going to do it. They're having a hard day, or they need to get some. That's fine. After that, he would go after him. In my mind, I'm like, it's one over, Dad. Go. That's <laughs> so just kind of like, boom, let's nail him. So we're doing that a little bit, a little bit. And he told me what his number was. I think, I don't, it was in the 70s. I remember that. I don't remember which one, but that was his call sign. And then, so I, every time I'd hear it, he'd say, pay attention so you know that we are. Remember the street name in case something happens to me. I'm like, well, this is kind of stressful. And I'm like, well, I heard, it, I heard the street, but I have no clue how to spell it. Did that start with a letter or a number or a hyphen? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so I remember hearing his number and two or three others. I'm like, what the? And it was a bar fight. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, I'm gonna get to go into a bar. I've never been into one. And I'm gonna get in a fight. I'm just gonna throw up the karate kid and just go for it. So when we get up, he, he starts to get out of the car. He said, stay here, shuts the door and locks it. And I felt like a little puppy. I'm like, what? Oh, partner. And he just ran. And then he comes back with a new friend. And he puts him in the back seat. He puts him in there and he looks at me and says, stay here, shuts the door. 
Now, there's a cage behind me. I get that. But in my head, that's not how it doesn't matter. Like this guy's just breathing super hard. But all I heard, it kept getting deeper. It's like, that's what I'm picturing as a 10-year-old. Like all of a sudden, X-Men is going to come through the cage, just rip up my esophagus and slap me with it. Like that's what I kind of pictured. So I just, I'm just, huh? not saying a word, karate kid. Mm-mm. They break up the fight. It's over. Dad gets in the car. And then this dude starts talking to me. I am terrified. My dad doesn't even yell. He just, he just looks and says, stop talking to my son. <laughs> Guys, this is what I felt like. I wanted to turn around and go, yeah, you want some of that? That's what I wanted to do. Because <laughs> I'm big and bad? No. Because I'm with my dad, who's big and bad. See, I, don't, I, would, I, don't miss, I wouldn't mess with dad growing up. Like I never, you don't talk back to my dad. You don't talk back to my mom. Man, if I disrespected my mom, oh, it's coming. But I, I knew I was loved by my dad. And so there was this quote unquote fear, not unhealthy, respect for him, but I knew he had my back and he had my front and he was looking out for me. Guys, it's like that with God. We understand who he is and he says, no, 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 don't be afraid. That thing that you have to go back to, don't be afraid. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You go back to a friend who's going through something difficult, I'm, I'm, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. This one that you got used to, this is Jesus. Let the holiness and majesty of Jesus impress you to the point where fear is no longer the thing that you're driven by. Because that God says, don't be afraid. The last verse, in ver well, verse eight, chapter 17. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So my question to you is this, is Jesus enough? Is he enough? It's just Jesus. I don't even like that phrase, just Jesus. No more lights, no more smoke, no more crazy experiences, no more camp experiences, no more camp high. You're gonna go back and you're gonna go through the what? The normal, the regular. But you're gonna invite Jesus into it and you're gonna decide, God, I wanna follow you. No matter what, no matter what the day looks like, I wanna follow you, why? Because you're worth it. You're worth it. Guys, I guess the question comes down to this, is Jesus worth it? And you have to think through that. Is he worth it to give up everything for? Is he worth it to submit to him in everything? No matter what thought or what feelings we may have that we feel like should dictate our lives, we put all those things through the filter of what the scriptures teach us. Why? Because Jesus is worth following. We have to decide, is he worth it? I remember years ago, uh, on, it, was a, it was a Hume, I think the one in California. It was a decision night, just like we had last night. And usually, I, when I'm done, I just jump off and I just run to the back. I don't usually sit up front. I used to when I needed my ego struck, but not anymore. I just sit in the back. Why? Because you guys don't, you're not going to see me after this. Like you're going home. You have your youth pastors. So I just sit in the back. I just love to watch. It's just really cool to watch God working. And youth pastors, thank you for loving your kids so well. Youth workers, thank you. It's awesome. It's a blessing to me every single time I get to see it. So I remember this one time I came up the stage and I was going down the middle and this 15 year old kid grabs me. Well, not hard, but just kind of grabs my arm. Okay, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. So I sat down real quick. I said, yeah, real quick. He goes, Brian, and he starts choking up. Um, <clears throat> Brian, I, 
You ever watch someone try to speak when they don't want to cry? You ever watch the, a father, the bride, give this speech? He's like, okay. <clears throat> Whenever a dad does this, <clears throat> a lot, it's because he's on the verge of losing it every single time. <clears throat> I told myself I wasn't going to cry. And it's just, it's worse. Like, <laughs> and then it goes from that to, I just, <clears throat> and then this noise just comes out. So he's like, he's like, Brian, I just, <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy of what he did. And I looked at him and I said, ah, oh, you're not. He has this, his eyes get really huge. <laughs> I said, dude, you're not. I said, that's the beauty of it. He said, okay, thanks. I said, well, I'm not done. And so I grabbed him by the arm, get over here. I said, remember this, dude, we're not worthy but the cross is God's declaration that we're worth it. We were worth it. That's different. And then it got, he got it. Oh, friends, we're supposed to fear the Lord. We're supposed to obey and do what he says because he's worth it. And the cross is the reminder from him that he thinks that we're worth it. We're supposed to number our days In Psalm 90, there, there's a verse in the Christian Standard Bible that says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. In other words, like this. You have your birth date, you have the end date, right? What's in the middle? The dash. God, give me wisdom to number my days well so that the dash matters. God, give me wisdom to number my days well so that the dash matters. And you leave the rest to God. Back to Ecclesiastes 12. One, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Younger generation, would you live in such a way? Would you live in such passionate devotion to your Jesus? In love with him, learning his rhythm, walking at his pace. Would you do it so that we who are older can learn from you as well? And will you also humble yourself and glean wisdom from those of us who are older, that there's no, there's no competition between us. We are all brothers and sisters moving forward in this journey as we walk with the Lord. But right now, you can be the example of godly speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. And then when we all move forward in what it is that Jesus has commanded all of us to do, Guys, it was amazing. This morning I was just reading a book and he talked about the Great Commission. I preach the Great Commission all the time. And I always start at verse 18 and he's like, go back to 16. Went back to 16. So in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? Jesus died, came back from the dead, still has the scars all over his body. He's standing there before him. Some worshiped him, but some doubted. Friends, if you're at that place of doubt, let me encourage you. You keep pressing in and pressing forward. You keep going toward Jesus. And I promise you that he will give answers. But do not use your doubt as an excuse to be lazy in faith, as an excuse to continue to go and do sin and live out sin because you just don't want to think about it. You have doubts? Okay. 
John the Baptist had doubts. Look at Matthew chapter 11. And after he revealed his doubts through a messenger to Jesus because John the Baptist was in prison, Jesus, as the messengers are going back, and he tells them, just go and tell them what you see. And as they're going back, Jesus looks at them and says, you know what? There's no one greater than John the Baptist. But even the one who's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. He didn't rip him for his doubt. Why? Because John wanted to know what's the truth. Are you really the one to come? Some doubted. So what should you do in your doubt? Keep worshiping. Friends, the Great Commission is not just about winning people to Jesus. Do not do it outside of a relationship with Jesus. It starts with worship of Jesus, not just service for him. It goes on, verse 18. This is where we're going to land the plane. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Guys, when it says, go therefore and make disciples, do you realize it's better translated this way? What it actually says is this, it's not go therefore and make disciples, it means this, in your coming and in your going, make disciples. In other words, wherever you go, make disciples. Guys, there's this problem I think that we have in the church, at least here in the States, that we have Christians and we have missionaries. Charles Spurgeon, an old pastor, preacher, known as the Prince of Preachers in the, in the 1800s, he makes this statement. He said, all Christians are missionary or imposters. Every single one of us are on mission. Every single one of us are called to mission. So if I was to ask you, what's your, what's your zip code? Welcome to your mission field. Guys, we'll prepare and go crazy to go somewhere else to do mission work. Then we'll come home and we're just home. Friends, at some point, we've got to realize there are followers of Jesus from other countries who are being sent to the United States to tell people about Jesus. I don't understand that concept. Every single one of us, friends, you, me, all of us right now, our zip codes are our mission field. So in my coming and in my going, go and make disciples. God, show me every single day. God, who is the one today you want me to impact? Who's the one? Because guess what? It turns fun. It's like a treasure hunt. God, who's the one today? Who's the one? Go and make disciples, followers, pupils, learners, not just converts. Baptize those followers and teach them to obey. Teaching them, they were teaching, it's ongoing, constantly. Don't give up on the process. Teaching them, not just what to believe, what to obey, oh, sorry, what to obey, but also how to obey. And that's the long part but don't give up on it. How do I know that we can actually be successful in this? Well, God, guys, leave success to God. But this is why we can be successful, because we're great, no. Because the one who took on death, took on our sin and the wrath of God, resurrected from the dead and is standing before everyone here on this mountain that we're, that we're looking at in Matthew 28. That Jesus says, oh, and by the way, I will be with you to the end of the age. In other words, church, we are unstoppable. We're unstoppable. We're not great. He's great. But because he's great, his church is unstoppable. So we have our birth date and our end date. We have that little dash. Here and gone, just like that. How will you live? 
so that the dash matters. We love God, we love people, and we make disciples who make disciple makers. Let's just do that and leave all the rest of it to Jesus. Let's live life of meaning and purpose. There is no purpose outside of Jesus. There is no truth outside of Jesus. It all comes down to him. Can I pray for us? Jesus, we give you thanks so much that you have given us life and breath, yes, and you've given us purpose and value and meaning. God, you gave us forgiveness. Jesus, you came and paid the price. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, would you, would you anoint us for your purpose and for your work? You've appointed us for this time right now where we live to make a difference. God, I thank you that it doesn't rely upon us, but I thank you that you invite us into it. God, we wanna honor you because you're worth it. We thank you that you deemed us the same. You deemed us worth it. You are amazing. God, in all that you've done and in all that you will do, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. Love you all more than you know.